Thank you so much for feeding the algorithm enough intelligence about your love of cycling to somehow land on the Wheelhouse podcast. It's easily digestible, mostly factual. My name's Joel Spreadborough, and it's such a treat to be joined by the one and only Kate Bates. Pleasure to be here, Joel. You do a lot of travelling in your line of work, your lines of work, and you uh, a poursuivant this week at the airport, I believe. <sighs> yes. Look, I was trying really hard, Joel, for the show. For you, for Merksy. I got on a plane and I saw Logan Martin. Um, right. He was up the front. I was pretty much sitting in the toilets. Yes. Uh, so I didn't have a chance to turn around and, and ask him then. But I hatched a plan. I thought when we get off at the other end with speed, yep. I'll pursue him. The chase. And I'll convince him to come yep. on the wheelhouse. Yep. Um, of course, he's an Olympic gold medalist. Like he's just pretty cool. First, right? first uh, a BMX gold medalist uh, and an Australian to boot, of yes. course, uh, Tokyo yeah. superstar. I mean, he'd make us look less cool, but I'm willing to take that hit to have him on the show. Yeah. Alas, it didn't happen. But I did pursue him through the airport. I had, if you can imagine, I had a very heavy shoulder bag on. Um, when I run it, it's kind of like halfway between like a baby giraffe and a sloth. Like it's not pretty. You're a cyclist. <laughs> I'm a cyclist. <laughs> yeah. Missing my bike. Uh, suffice to say, I didn't catch him. Oh. Now, I don't know if he knew of the oh. commotion going on behind him, but it was literally like, excuse me, coming through, out of the way. It didn't happen. Let's hope so. he didn't know. Because if there was a little <laughs> bit of a... better, isn't it? Logan, Logan. Well, that's, that's our, um, I think that's episode four, The Pursuit for Logan Martin. Or maybe that's a documentary. Oh, that could be another doco. Could be another I love one. The, your Write doco that one down, counts Mercy. probably up to six, seven now. That's good. <laughs> Logan Martin, we'll get him down the track. Lives we down will. the road from me in Logan, of course. Uh, Logan from Logan. Well, I had another shocker at the airport too. Uh, Joel, I think I'm just on a run. I was sure, and we will talk about it later in the podcast, but of course the Tour de Femme, uh, Tour de France Femme is coming yeah. up very soon. Yeah. And I was so sure that I saw one of the writer's fathers, Graham Spratt, Amanda Spratt's father. I've known him for 20 years. Yeah. I was dead set that I saw him. It wasn't him. I wasn't him. Um, but know. he did get the uh, the tap on the shoulder and halfway through the Graham. Yeah. What did you do? Were you like, great day for flying, <laughs> sir? Well, he asked me. He said, oh, I'm, I'm not Graham Spratt, but... Is he famous? <laughs> and so I did launch into a spiel about Amanda Spratt and how she is in fact yeah. famous and how he had to watch The Wheelhouse. So there's another fan I was going to say, that's the 12. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, and how he had to watch the women's race. So, you know, maybe I've converted another fan. But there were yeah. a few people. It was at security. So there were a few people. I, so he was captive. <laughs> it was that awkward moment where neither of us could leave because our bag hadn't come through. Uh, we had a captive audience. Great. And uh, airports and I are not having a lot of luck at the moment. That's an idea for an episode. Maybe we should set up next to the baggage carousel at an airport for one week. Oh, and yes. Just, <laughs> just ramp up the numbers. Another documentary, like awkward airport encounters with Kate. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Airport I strikes back. <laughs> yep. Honey, I shrunk the airport. That's, it's good on you. Thank you for making those pursuits. Uh, Logan Martin especially. I, I, th I thought, was he on his BMX or something? You just, just couldn't catch up with him? No, I... That's I right. just need to, maybe I need to travel with a skateboard. Okay, let's move on. It's been a, a big week on the tour. I think it will in the future be known as Heat Week. We'll get into that soon. Firstly, another day, another Aussie. Michael Matthews uh, wins his first stage since 2017 in stage 14. How good was that? Oh, so good. It's actually been 18 months since he won any race. 
Um, he may have won a club race along the way. I can't confirm or deny, but it was such a beautiful victory for him. Uh, he overcame Alberto Bettiol, who, by the way, is a sensational climber mm. uh, and absolutely gave it to him on the climb, tried to leave him behind. But the grit and determination showed by Matthews, it's something that we know he's always possessed, but I think he's taken uh, with this victory on stage 14 another huge leap in his career because when he was younger, he was the fastest and yeah. he could rely on a bunch of sprint. He's morphed, as a lot of riders of his variety, um, they lose a little bit of speed as they get older. They're not the fastest sprinter anymore, but they're not the best climber and they have limited opportunities. Uh, but he just did it perfectly. And can I say, from this amazing victory salute, mm. that arm span. I yeah. mean, he could have a career in basketball. Isn't that how they recruit basketball? Basketball, arm span? boxing, reach is everything. Yes. If, he's, if Bike Exchange says, you know, well done on the victory, but that'll do you. Uh, yeah, might have a chat to the so, NBL. Yeah, there's I'd, something in that. Get him, fight <laughs> Tim Zoo. Tim Zoo versus Michael Matthews, that would sell some tickets. But yes. uh, what, a, what a beautiful effort. And yeah, a tactical masterclass from Bike Exchange as well. It was very, very... Very impressive. Always good to see Straya yeah, up in lights. Yeah, go Straya. All the feels. Hot summer is an understatement. Uh, it's been quite incredible. Actually ridiculous. And what it, it, last year it was unseasonably cold, I thought, at the Tour. This year it's, it, it is actually crazy. 40-plus uh, degrees. Race organisers having to think on the run and make some, uh, make some changes. But still, I've got to say, some, some sports you'd think would just be canned altogether these riders are really suffering. Yeah, they are. I mean, it is a part of the sport, I suppose, but the biggest thing cycling ever does is just open the feed zone. So normally you can't take a water bottle or hydration or such within the first 50 kilometres. Uh, so on the hot days, they change that and allow feeding at, at all times yeah. from the car. So give them a bit of a chance. A lot of the riders um, were squirting water on themselves. They were starting with ice packs and ice vests on. Yeah. Um, so when they're looking a little bit funny, the jersey, it's usually an ice vest, yeah. which is how it sounds, a vest <laughs> full of ice. Yeah. Um, but it does remarkably good job to yeah. cool your core temperature. And that's the point. And that's where it becomes dangerous, Joel, is because your core body temperature, when it heads up to the 40 degree mark, we know that that's very dangerous. Of course. Athletic, um, uh, athletic performance is, of course, you know, compromised. Yep. There's the word yep. I was looking for. But more than that, just your health. It is very dangerous and enter heat stroke. Yep. And so they take huge measures to pre-cool, drop their body temperature so that gives them a little bit more bandwidth. But there is definitely the question of, is that going too far? Yeah, and, well, hmm. we had some measures, as we said, the extreme weather protocol, truck with water, spraying the road, melting roads, obviously an issue, melting tyres, ice fest, as you say, even the sunflower fields look sad. So some riders took it into their own hands. And I think Tom Pidcock might have thought he was at schoolies on the Gold Coast with his little <laughs> post-stage endeavour. Here he goes. This would get you a night in the watch house at Surfers Paradise. Not the case on the tour, though. Here he goes. Pitcock the peacock. Look at him with his rig out. He's just like, hello, France. Ineos. Uh, where, the, where, is, where are his teammates? Yeah. <laughs> Filming. I Daring. Think. Yeah. Yes. Here he is. And, and being widely congratulated for his own stage win as well. Well, it looks very refreshing, I'd say, that uh, he's done a pretty good job. But it does yeah. go to sh show he's on one of the teams with the biggest resources. They have the ice. They have this beautiful, cool bus. They did, So if yeah. even he is jumping in uh, the old 
fountain. Yeah. What about the other poor teams? I oh, love the Ineos Ice Bus, yes. by the way. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. and, and just the envy of everyone else. I really mm. felt for Morkov, uh, the Boiling Dane, really, really, really struggling. 202 kilometres in that heat. Um, did the organisers do enough, just quickly? Yeah, look, I think that they're a little bit hamstrung, but the riders did the best that they could. Um, water bottle collection. Yes. It's very hard for the domestiques out there. Their yeah. job is to drop back from the field and uh, get all the water bottles. The pack horses. Yeah, the pack horses. Yeah. When they're drinking a lot more water, uh, they're having to then get a lot more. How many <laughs> bottles can a domestic take, Kate? It's there are so those jerseys are so tight to be able to fit in uh, the sheer number of bottles uh, and each ding, of course, is another bottle getting shoved down the jersey. There, it's pretty impressive. Wow! And he would have had to do this a number of times because there's two bottles uh, for each rider there, just just about, yeah. except none for him. Quite incredible. Quite. And, and, so, and the thing about horse racing and jockeys and weight. <laughs> What about yes. the weight of 10 water bottles? Well, he was going up a climb there yeah. too. So, you know, I mean, I'm the accountant in the room, Joel, yeah. but they're about 750 mils, 10 uh, of them, uh, a good seven and a half kilos. Thank you for doing yeah. that because I'm sitting there going, please don't ask me to answer that. It's incredible. It's significant, um, yeah. They've got to do what they've got to do. Some sports have had uh, these kind of issues as well. The A-League, I found out back in 2014, did cancel a match. That's Australian football, Perth, Glory, Melbourne, Heat. First match to be cancelled due to heat. It was 40 degrees then. They called it off. And rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah, I think although, you know, with climate change, I think some things and some schedules and timings may have to be reconsidered. Absolutely. And it's a thing across sports. I remember US Open last mm. year, we saw fans fainting in the, in mm. the stands. But maybe they'd had one too, too many champagnes. What do you think? <laughs> uh, Ashes last the year, fans, Joe Root, the yes. England captain, went oh, to yes. hospital. Maybe he was just a bit sad about the result. I was about to say, match, I don't think he was drinking champagne. Not a lot to <laughs> celebrate for them. <laughs> uh, shout outs. 200 stages. What a milestone for your friend. Peter Sagan. Sagan. Oh, you you no, hesitated. No, I was, <laughs> I was building it up. I was like, wait till you hear this pronunciation. Peter Sagan, <laughs> more stages than London's West End. Um, what a champion and, and a bit of a sucker for punishment, but incredible achievement. He is, and he's still wheeling um, his way. So it's not even our pun. Uh, his way through the Tour de France, 200 stages. Uh, that's a pretty mammoth that. effort. Yeah. Um, but he's not even in the top 100 of the most stages ridden. Which yeah. is quite remarkable. Well, I've done some homework. I've, oh, good. Wikipedia? <laughs> <coughs> uh, closing in, rapidly closing in on Sylvain Chavanel's 336 stages. What's going on in impressive. that brain? Well, so he rode 18 tours. He finished 16 of them. And the other two, uh, they were third week sure. uh, pullouts. He was such an impressive rider. He also alongside that, rode a host of other Grand Tours. Yeah. Um, so Giro and Vuelta. So his total Grand Tour stage count, um, maybe we'll get on, get back on Wikipedia to, to <laughs> find the stats on that one. It's but off the charts. It is remarkable. I mean, you've got to start thinking, like, do they not want to go home? I know. Do they, <laughs> That's what I think. You know, do I'm they like... not like sleeping in their own bed? That's it, a lot yeah. of time on the road. It makes me sad Aww. in a certain way. But no, look, incredible stuff. And, and, and just a stalwart. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Fabio Jakobsen. Jakobsen, emotional scenes. Uh, he got revenge on the mountain, I think, after last Ooh. year, and he was really sneaking past the, the 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 time cuts. I think it was 16 seconds in stage 17. The broom wagon basically clipping his back tire. 
Uh, and then, and then uh, stage 18, ashen-faced, looking near death. He did it, flanked by teammates. Heroic stuff. Mm. We've got some some vision of it, Kate, and it's it's emotional scenes. It was a beautiful moment for him. He's really come full circle after a horrendous accident at the Tour of Poland, and people weren't really sure about uh, what his career would look like on the mm. other end. So not just to be back at the Tour de France, but winning, um, and also showing that a lot of the action at the Tour happens at the back of the bunch, not just. Uh, who we're seeing going over the line first. But, yes, 16 seconds. It's incredible. And his yeah. entire team were lined up at the finish, cheering him on, yeah. and he collapsed as he crossed the finish line. And then he has to go home and regroup because his finish line is absolutely the Champs-Élysées because yeah. that is the world championships for sprinters, essentially. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of grit, a lot of grit. He's really impressive. I love that. So you've, you've just made through this this ridiculous battle, but the real battle is only just about. Yeah, it's to like begin. the warm up. Like yeah. Caleb Ewan, he's coming good, which is good. So we can uh, yes, we can absolutely. be happy for that. He was happy with his finish in uh, in eighteen as well. There was a, it was a little bit behind the the pack, but he was he was you could tell there were signs of you know what bit of grit. Like we said last Aussie week, Butler. He, the tour is merely a training track for Wollongong. Yes. Um, <laughs> what I loved about uh, Jakobsen is his this quote, if I may. I always tell everybody I never give up. I also have to tell myself that. Oh, I love that. They could make a, what could they make? A documentary I out think, of that, yeah. Joel. Jacobson. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Jacobson strikes back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll workshop. We'll go, yeah, we'll workshop that. Incredible yeah. stuff. Uh, now, let's get to the real action. The Battle of the Pyrenees, the race to Paris is between a fish man and a terminator. It looks like the fish man has, has, has possibly done the job, Kate. I think fish man for the win. Yeah. And look, I'd like to also say that uh, my sister took one of those Ancestry.com kind of things. Uh, and it turns out we have 5% Danish blood. Oh, really? You're so a gore. He's pretty much my cousin, right? No. Yeah, like yeah. your 498,000 yeah, cousin. exactly. That's so, insane. you know, like it's great to see a countryman do so well. Oh, and look, you, you just, mm. a, a, you have, part of that yellow jersey is yours. It is, and yeah. I will claim it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 5% of a yellow jersey on a rider so slight is not a lot, Yeah. but I'll take it uh, nevertheless. And he's done it in pretty good style too, hasn't he? Thus far, I mean, you know, touch wood, it's not over till... I was going to say the fat lady sings, but there is no fat ladies singing. No, um, that's not what the show. Just to prove how live about. this show is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll correct and, and we'll, we'll wokeify ourselves on the fly. Here. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so you know, I think the battle is all the way to the very finish. Yeah, it's well, it was three minutes twenty seconds after twenty six seconds after stage eighteen. What I love about Vingegaard is is his journey uh, from twenty nineteen. No team really wanted him. The Yumbo Visma team, they've built a team that complements one another. Whereas whereas Pog, you gotta you gotta feel for him. He's been doing it a bit tricky. COVID, illness, injury, UAE has built its squad around him, but they've dropped like flies. And he still is the machine that he is. But seeing him get distanced in in eighteen, it was like, okay, this this might be the year that this guy, who's only twenty three, mind, hmm. might might just surrender the yellow jersey. But as uh, Wout Van Aert actually said it uh We'll see. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll wait to Paris. Spring chicken, yeah. isn't he? Uh, I think that what we did see in the last, you know, in the second and a half week of racing at the tour is just how tenacious he was, that he was prepared to lose in order to try and win. And I love yeah. that. That's what I like. I don't like the um, really conservative strategies. And I think 
in him people thought that it could become quite a boring next years of the Tour de France because yeah. he might just dominate. He's such a resilient, tenacious rider. But he, look, he's not unfallible. He had a bit of a whoopsie on the yeah. stage, if well, we can call it that. He was fanging down the mountain. This is... This is an extraordinary sequence. So there he goes. Pog goes down. Now watch this. If you did, if you didn't see it, and if you did, just enjoy seeing it again. This is one of the great moments of sportsmanship in any sport. He got up. He got back up pretty yeah, quickly. He did. And it's remarkable that the fisherman, um, my cousin, yeah. as it may be, uh, Jonas Bates. <laughs> He sits up and this. he waits. Extraordinary. He, they would have been saying in his ear, you know, your competitor is down. This is your chance. But he waits. They do a handshake. Yeah. That is a moment that transcends cycling. That is across yeah. all of sport. I've stolen that line from Merksy. That's what he no, said. Look, it's, uh, but thank it's you, Merksy. It's so true. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. And as you say, it was that real opportunity to, <laughs> if anything, go back and pss, pss, let his tyres down to ensure that he's not coming back. He wants to win it. He wants to win it fair and square. Mm. And I love that because it's one of those sports, every inch counts, every little advantage within the rules of the game absolutely count. He wants to do it the right way. And I think it's a beautiful advertisement for the sport and the tour um, and, and, and a lovely moment. He's come a long way since the 4am starts in uh, Hansholm, Denmark, put oh, it that well, way. Look, and I just want to say, I heard one of the commentators this week um, calling Podgy, um, it sounded to me a little bit like focaccia. Oh, no. And I can't unhear it now. So now, as far as I'm concerned, we've got finger guard yep. and focaccia. Salt <laughs> and finger guard and ham and cheese focaccia <laughs> battling it out <laughs> in the final <laughs> stages of the tour. I think everybody's tired. The commentators are trying to figure out just, you know, this alphabet uh, soup of names that are being thrown at them. Yeah. Uh, but all in all, a very good job. And, and excellent work from Wout Van Aert as well, oh. helping his teammate out. What's, what's on yes. your laptop there? Well, just, just look, it's just locked, but um, you may... We've got a... Uh, yeah, We've there got a it is. Bit of Wout. A Wout Van Aert, yes. a, a big fan. And I look, mean, fair he's enough. just spectacular, isn't he, Joel? He's an incredible athlete. Yeah, I mean, is that awkward for me to talk so longingly <laughs> and lovingly about someone I've never met? It's not creepy at all. He's he's the ultimate team and, and a, a machine of an athlete himself, but a real team man as well. And you've seen that, and he's he's genuinely happy for Sultan Vingegaard because he's. Let's not forget, this is his second tour, Sultan. There you mm. go, that's his new nickname, <laughs> Sultan. Sultan. I like um, that. No, Jonas Vingegaard, it's his second tour, and he's, 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 he's mm. doing outstandingly well. Second to Pog this mm. year, not the case. Well, Van Art, what was most remarkable, I think, about his ride is he knew that he couldn't climb at the same pace, but he knew um, that the Sultan... I like that. Yeah, We're thanks. sticking with that. Thank you. Um, ...needed some extra support, yeah. so he was the first to attack for the day. He was in the break the whole day with the plan that they would catch him wow. halfway up that final climb. Yeah. If you asked most riders to do that, they would just laugh and say, you're insane. Yeah. He's insane and he loves it. He loves it. He, he probably suggested it. it to them. They probably said, that's a crazy idea. And yeah. he was like, exactly. That's why we should do it. Hey, Tim, everyone gather around. I have an idea. I really want to suffer today. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Help me suffer. Yes. Um, terrible accent there. Uh <laughs> Amazing scenes. We'll, we'll, as, we've, as, we've, as we've heard, Vingegaard says we will see in Paris. I think I attributed that quote to Van Aert before it was actually Vingegaard. Oh. Ever humble, but also Yumbo. They've been Yum. burnt before. <laughs> they've been burnt before very they late. Have. Three they minutes 26, be, though. Whew. They'd be nervous. Oh, look, I think that uh, I think 
they've had a remarkable tour. Mm. Whatever goes on to happen, it's been one of the best tours we've had in quite a long time. So yeah. thank you for the entertainment, fellas. Absolutely. The hot battle has been a hot battle. Now, <laughs> let's move on because the fellas have done their stuff, but very soon the stage is set, Kate, for a such, such an exciting event. For 30-odd years, I believe, since we've seen this one. I'm going to let yes. you take it up. Yes, the Tour de France. Fam. Fam, I know. Fam. Yeah, yeah. We've worked on that. Tour de France. I'm proud of Fam. you. I'm really proud of you. Thank it you. has been uh, since 1989 since we've had a women's Tour de France. Now, they've had iterations uh, along the way, but nothing that has been associated with the might of ASO uh, since then. And it was quite a mighty race. They did race part of the men's course yep. um, in that time. But even like in 1984, they had these funny rules about how many stages the women could ride without a rest day and so they ended up almost like pretending it was two separate races wow having two days off in between and then starting again to hit their 18 stages and carrying over classification even though technically they actually had different jerseys that they were giving them like trying to bend the rules it was a little bit insane how it all worked yeah Uh, and sadly it kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, but I think for the women it was unsustainable because they were doing these massive transfers, four hours every morning, yeah. four hours every afternoon around the racing. It wasn't a respectful way for the riders or no, to ridiculous. showcase the sport. And yeah. so it's pretty exciting that we're back yep. with a huge amount of advocacy um, and alliances that have gone on in the background to make this happen. So, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of people in my shoes, ex-riders, who yep. have a little bit of FOMO. Have I you ruled out a comeback? Bummer. You know, I really wish there was a Tour de France fam in my day. Yeah. However, I would have totally sucked at it. <laughs> I was not a good tour rider. You know, some people ride into tours. Yeah. And even Caleb, you know, he's been getting better and better yeah. um, during three weeks. Not me. Okay. Day one. Day one was it. Last week you were spruiking so, riding up mountains though. Yes, at my own leisurely oh, pace, yeah. okay. Joel. That's Very fair. different. <laughs> uh, and so, but it is a monumental moment in history. and. Yeah. My seven-year-old daughter the other day, we were watching a Tour de France highlights video and she said, where are the women? Simple. Oh, and I said, they're go. on next week. Yeah. But last year, I couldn't say that to her. I couldn't say they're on next week. I just said, oh, they don't have this for the women. Wow. The messaging is just so powerful, I think. Uh, for girls, for boys, it's just normalises men and women in the same yeah. category. It's huge. It's amazing. And some extraordinary riders taking part. Yes. Eight stages, uh, 24 teams, I think 168 riders, some great Aussies among them. Uh, a, a mountaintop finish, if you don't mind yes. as well. Yes. And some gravel and grapes, I like to call stage four gravel and grapes. They actually have these fantastic gravel sections yep. through the wineries. Um, so the day before they finish in Epinay, which is, of course, home of the Champagne region. Lovely. And then the next day they do like a bit of a gravel winery tour. It's, it's beautiful. It's cruel in a way, though, because if it was, uh, if it was <laughs> yes. us, we'd be like, ooh, winery, stop. Ooh, winery, stop. I know. Ooh. They won't. They probably can't do that. Uh, probably. <laughs> I wanna, we'll, no. we'll get on to the contenders and the Aussies in just a moment. I want to ask you about scrutiny because this is always mm. the pressure – to, to succeed and the pressure for this event to be a success, I think it's ridiculous. And I, I, I would hope that the riders don't care um, about the whole, oh, this better be good, guys, or else. You know, I think it's a little bit harsh. I genuinely don't think the riders um, give two twats. I was about to use another word there, but we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that, thinking on my feet. Once again, this yeah. is live. Yep. Uh, honestly, I think the riders are just 
pumped to be able to be part of such a big event. And with yep. the big events does come a little bit more pressure, just like the World Championships or Olympic Games. But that's not necessarily external. Yep. It's what you put on yourself because of what it may mean for you and the gravitas of it. Yep. I also think there'll be a lot of young riders starting their careers who are just thrilled uh, to be able to be part of it. And they're racing against who the riders who are their heroes. They'd have posters on the wall. And the visibility and to be able to be on the TV and two and a half hours a day they're showing, uh, which is fantastic. Yep. And in Australia, SBS is showing every minute um, that they are producing, which is fantastic. Brilliant. Um, I'm sure there will still be some people saying, why aren't we seeing from kilometre zero? Um, they're trying. Yeah. We're definitely showing everything possibly can. But yeah, I think the riders will just go out there and smash it. Just honestly. get on with it. Just get on with it. It's a pretty that. tough course. Yeah. They actually start beautifully at the Eiffel Tower. And then they finish on the Champs-Élysées. So it's about six kilometre jaunt. Yep. They won't be jaunting, I don't imagine, but <laughs> across to that. Yeah. Uh, they finish on La Planche de Belleville or Le Super Planche mm -hmm. de Belleville, which is gravel, again, uh, very steep. We saw that many times in the Men's Tour de France as well. Yeah. It is a great course. We've got the gravel in the middle. The first half is very much uh, sprinters breakaway paradise. Yep. The second half is where the GC, I think, will really be sorted out. You will need to watch until the very final day to get a result. I love that. And it's going to be such a thrill. That, that as we say, that, that finish is set up. I want to just go through some contenders. We'll get to mm. the Aussies. But as you say, posters on the walls, looking up to these riders that they're now going to be riding and hopefully beating mm. uh, alongside Annemiek van Vloten from Movie Star. What... She's the most dominant rider, I think, on the on the on the tour. She's won every major race in the past ten years or so. Olympic world titles, classics, three three uh, victories in Italy. <sighs> Can she be beaten? Oh, it's hers to lose, I think. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, she had a really great um, Giro Donna, which is ostensibly the women's tour of Italy. Well, yep. We can unpack that another day. Yeah. Uh, a bit of a dog's breakfast over there, but she targeted that and did really well. She's really the only one that's targeted both. If yep. anyone can, she can. But, and this is a big asterisk, Joel, at the Rio Olympics, she was on set to win on, you know, on track and she fell on a descent. It kind of underscores her big vulnerability, which is skills. Yeah. And she does and has had a lot of quite nasty crashes over the years. The gravel day will be tough for her. Um, and I also think that there's some other around the sprint stages. Her team's biggest job will be to keep her safe mm -hmm. until stage seven and eight uh, when they can really unleash her in the mountains. And we'll talk more about that next week because uh, it will be happening um, on Saturday and Sunday, you know, yep. in, in 10 days' time. But she's definitely on paper the one to beat. But yep. sadly, we have an Aussie in the team, Sarah Gigante in yep. Star. She's not on the start list. Uh, she had a an accident not too long ago and has a bit of a nasty concussion and hasn't recovered from that. So a yep. bit of a bummer, but, uh, you know, nevertheless, I think they're a very strong team. Okay. Mm. Uh, Longo Borghini, Trek, Segafredo, another, yep. another uh, an Italian champion, a, a, a probably quite well suited to the conditions. I've got a stat here. Uh, oh. She's finished in the top 10 out of 46 races on 76 race days in the past two seasons. Now, that is incredible resilience and staying mm. power. Is she is she still got it? I think so. Yeah. Italian champion, she Paris-Roubaix winner. She's pretty classy. She's okay. very classy. She could have a tilt at the overall. 
but more likely I think we're going to see her going for the stages mm -hmm. and possibly one of the jerseys um, along the way. So they do have the climbers jersey and the sprint jersey, like the um, the normal Tour de France, yeah, if you sure. want to call it that. Uh, and so I think that you know she will be a very big face. But there's also a lot of uh, French riders, a French team, um, FTJ, yep. who have an Aussie in there as well, Grace Brown, Yes, um, which is great to talk about the Aussies because I think Grace Brown is a very big name to watch on stages two to six, the breakaway um, sprint stages where we can expect a lot from them. But across the board, we've also got Tiffany Cromwell. Yep. And Tiffany Cromwell has been doing gravel races uh, this year, almost like transitioning her career from pro road racing toward the back end because she's been around um, for, you know, 15 years in the, yep. in, on the pro scene. She's a gravel specialist now. Wow. So she's going to have an absolute ball through those uh, wine wine regions. Uh, <laughs> Maybe yeah. she can stop and have a glass. <laughs> yes, she can. And, of course, um, someone that Graham Spratt and this and gentleman at the airport yeah. <laughs> uh, will be very proud of is uh, Amanda Spratt. You know, yeah. she's the ever-reliable um, little pocket rocket. She yep. can climb. She can go in breaks. I think that... A lot of eyes will be on her as well. And you know what I love? It's exciting. If she, if she is up there at the end, she can say, I'm doing this for you, Dad. <laughs> you too, fake Dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, and um, they sent us a little bit of swag, Joel. So, um, Amazing. you know, I'll, I'll get you to uh, to rock the hat if you want to grab the I'd hat. I'd love to. Um, and I, I had a little bit of a giggle, Joel. They uh, sent us a I'm sticker. putting it on over the here, earphones. Uh, I think that's appropriate. A sticker here that says, watch the fams. Um, but it's a beaver. <laughs> Oh, how okay. inappropriate of they've me! They've gone with the beaver as the mascot. With, with okay, the beaver. So look, it's a very cute little beaver. Yeah, it's great. I it's think it's, we it's progressive. <laughs> it's, uh, the sport has come a long way, it Kate. Uh, you spoke about funny rules before. To finish off today, I just want to tell you a couple yeah. of historic moments in women's cycling. Have you ever suffered from bicycle face? You might have to define what that I is. I will. So shout out to our friends at SBS here who put together a great list of some of the difficulties in the early days. Bicycle face was a made-up medical condition that was Ooh. used to frighten women away from <laughs> cycling. This was Ooh. in the late 19th century. Um, it was basically, you know the old saying, if you, if you pull a face and the wind changes, your face will stay that way. It was yes. cycling's version of that. So the Ooh. strained face... Uh, if you do that too much, if you ride your bike and overexert yourself whilst maintaining your balance on a two-wheeled machine, <laughs> uh, you'll get flushed, pale skin, wild, weary expression, dark look under the eyes. Mostly the condition was said to affect women. So look out, stay off the bike, guys. Does that explain this? <laughs> Does that I don't explain know. this? Does that explain that? <laughs> Is there a medical doctor in the house? <laughs> how, how ridiculous. And oh. I'll finish on uh, an Australian trailblazer. Uh, we're going to go to Western Australia. Again, it was a long time ago, I think the late 19th century, early 20th century. Hotel, the Shamrock Hotel in Coolgardie held some of the state's earliest events. Silsi, Sissy, Sissy <laughs> Colreavy, oh my goodness. You got Sissy Colreavy caught a terribly contagious case of bicycle face on one of these Ooh. early events and entered the history books as one of Australia's pioneering female cyclists. She defied bicycle face and said, I don't care. I'm going to get onto it. According to bicycling.com, shout out here, she became one of the first women to rock bloomers instead of a Ooh. dress at races. One newspaper wrote that she mounted the bike man fashion. Ooh. Right? With bloomers on, no With less. bloomers, yeah. And then and then after seeing her ride, she said they she scorched down Bailey Street to ringing cheers 
and beers. Oh, excellent. How good well, is that? You know, I, we'll have to find a photograph of her and see how bad the bicycle face uh, thing can is it be. This? I, th- <laughs> I think there's a documentary in this. Yeah. There is. Bicycle face. You know, women cycling over the years. Might need a little bit of work, yeah, that one. But okay. That's yeah. probably five documentary <laughs> pictures. Excellent work. Uh, we'll work on that. This has been mm. so much fun. It always is. It always is. There's so much going on. And next week we've got a whole lot coming up because Commonwealth Games are rapidly approaching, um, as is Matthew Glates's sprint. Very yes. rapid. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have a chat about that. The women's tour will be uh, in full swing and we'll dive into that. And, of course, we can unpack what happens at the end of the men's tour uh, and if in, indeed it is finger guard versus focaccia on that podium. <laughs> Salt and finger card ham and cheese <laughs> focaccia duking it out on the road to Paris. Thank you for being along for the ride. Easily digestible, mostly factual. This is the Wheelhouse Podcast. Like, share, find us wherever you find your podcast or pogachar cast. Or we'll work on that. <laughs> uh, thanks, Kate. We'll see you next week. See you then.